Hello, everyone, and welcome to the photo show. Just a short introduction today because this episode runs a little longer than usual, and that's because I was catching up with an old friend whom I had not spoken to in more than 20 years. Greg Miller and I were part of a very tight community of photographers that met through Thomas Roma at the School of Visual Arts. And we stayed together through our thesis year with Lois Connor and even a few years after graduation. But, you know, then gradually we uh, moved around, started families, and lost touch with each other. Uh, and, in, and in many ways, this episode embodies why I started this show. It was to help rebuild a community that I once had, but also grow a, a new and larger community. And then to share this community with you, the audience, because this is what inspires me. It inspires me to get out of the house, to stay in the world, to go out and photograph. And I hope, you know, it might inspire you to do the same. Uh, so enjoy this episode. And if you can, uh, please subscribe on iTunes or follow on SoundCloud so that maybe someday I can show a potential sponsor that we do have an audience. <laughs> All right, everyone. Talk soon. Wisely. I edit. You're like, very I'll be like, I support Donald Trump. And <laughs> I'm like, I didn't say that. That's right. I hate photography. <laughs> All right. Well, here we are at Columbia University. Uh, and our guest today is Greg Miller. Hi, Greg. Hello. I'm Michael. We're here with Kai McBride. Hey, hello, everyone. Hi, Kai. <laughs> so, Greg, when, when uh, you walked in the room, I think you said we hadn't seen each other in 30 years. I think that's true. I don't, yeah. I can't remember the last time we saw each other. No, it, it's probably... It's it, been about 30 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. It might have been a diner that we were at, uh, I mean, or something like that. I, I, I would guess... Um, in Greenpoint Greenpoint, or yes. yeah, or, <laughs> or, in a, um, te or Teddy's, right? Yes. Could have been Teddy's Diner. In Williamsburg? Yes. In Williamsburg. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. That's a great place. With Still a spinach there. salad. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably having a cheeseburger deluxe. Oh, okay. But, yes. <laughs> and then, so Phil, me and I, like, how did you guys know each other up to that point? And then why did you lose touch, you think? Uh, well, we were at the School of Visual Arts together, right? Yep. Um, so, were yep. we in Lois's class together? Yeah, so we, yeah. Uh, I actually can't remember, but I think it was Lois's class and then were we in Tom's together? No, I wasn't in Tom's class at SBA. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah I, I was on the exchange program to Israel. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I do remember, I vaguely remember that. I don't think I we were that aware of each other at that point. Yeah, even, no. even It was SBA. later. It was later. It was, it was after I, we graduated that yep. I think that we got in touch through mutual <laughs> friends. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then uh, we all just went our separate ways, really. Yeah, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing because I, I think I... Um, it was a very close knit group in college. And then I, you know, something about photography, it can bring you together in school, but then it doesn't exactly bring you together in life. But I think, you know, what's kind of nice is that we've all kind of kept in touch, uh, tangentially and, yeah. and actually now are kind of getting in touch with each other, you know? Yeah. And that, Again, I, and that I, was I actually, kind of nice. Yeah. That was part of the reason for the show was to mm -hmm. just kind of get back in touch with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. I mean, I've had yeah. Jeff Ladd and Sasha on. And oh, nice. And has yeah. been on. And oh, nice. Okay, good. Who else? On the, uh, 
Oh, oh, Jolt will be on this summer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Jolt. Oh, my Jolt God. Jolt Kadar. Yes. Yeah, Jolt Kadar. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, no, I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I think, you know, what happens is I think you, as you get older, you, um, I can't remember, um, you know, any tension we might have had or, you know, anything, you know what I mean? Like, I think that we end up just kind of like, I, I you relax into it. And, and uh, I actually just kind of want to keep in touch with people now. Yeah. You know, I really kind of just want to know about people and, and, you know, people have kids and stuff and, you know what I mean? That's, you know, I don't know, just things change. Yeah. Yeah. From those guests, I've heard a lot about, I'd, I'd have heard through the years, but from the guests that we've had on, I've heard a lot about the SVA experience. And of course, we also spoke with um, Charles Traub. Charles Traub. Oh, yeah. I went to another Charles. So <laughs> Charles Traub. And um, so that, it seemed like a very intense experience, right? Like it was the whole thing, not just uh, Tom's class, which I hear about, but also like other classes with Lois Connor and everybody else. Yeah. So of that group that you were close to then, how many would you say are still out making photographs? And uh, You know, let's see. Well, you know, I'd have to count, but I, you know, what's interesting is that actually of that group, um, it's actually quite a good yeah, number. Yeah, quite a good number. It is. It was a good crew, actually. Yeah. That, that, cr- that class was kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and Preston, Jeff, Preston Resigno, Jeff Ladd, Sasha Watersfryer, mm-hmm. uh, Jolt Kadar, Anibal Peowu, and Amanda Tedeschi, uh, who used to be Amanda Campbell. Who are we missing? You and I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and there there are were others. I mean, I can't remember their names, but I, I remember one uh, one person is uh, oh, and Jenny Williams. Do you know Jenny Williams? No. So Jenny Williams was in our in Tom's class, and she's a photographer. She went oh, to Yale, okay. and yeah. So yeah, so, so I mean, a, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's a pretty good run from my yeah. undergraduate class. I can't think of that many who oh. who've kept up with it. I mean. Eileen Quinlan, who we've had on the show, but it's more later when graduate school that that yeah. starts to be like people who like held out and kept going, you know, then made it to grad school, which you did not do, which I think is interesting to talk about. Yeah, too. I didn't do grad school. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember I was um, I had the book to apply to Yale mm-hmm. in 1994. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would have applied in 1995 or something like that for the 1995 year. And um, so that, that was actually well ahead of the of most of us even thinking about grad school. Right. Well, I just got the book, so I didn't really, I don't know how serious it would, it could have been like anywhere, you know, from then until five years after that, you know what I mean? And obviously it was never because I never did it. So I think, um, I had the book, but I also, I remember thinking at the time that I thought to, I was living in, uh, I was living in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and I wanted to, I wanted to change. I wanted to do something different. And I was, I was shooting for magazines, I uh, I started shooting for magazines. Uh, I might mention that I, I started shooting for magazines when we were in school, in yeah. college. And yeah. um, I remember I used to come in late to Tom's class and all <laughs> apologetic. And Tom was actually really nice, really kind. It was unusual because what? he was... I know. <laughs> it was really weird because he would just give everybody else such right. hell. And I used to come in terrified. Like, uh, <laughs> And I remember once I ate my lunch because I was starving in his class. And Tom was like what are you doing? And I said, I, I'm eating my lunch. And he was like, what is that you're eating? You know what I mean? He was just like, he just gave me hell. You know what I mean? Right, Imagine, yeah, yeah. you know, he yeah. was like, it looks like dog food. <laughs> and, um, and so, 
Um, and I said, you know what, Tom? It is dog food. <laughs> I can't afford anything else, so I hope you're happy. <laughs> um, but anyway, so no, so I moved, so I, I, I was working for magazines and I, I wanted to do something different, so I made a conscious decision. Instead of applying to Yale, um, I, uh, I moved to Manhattan and I had pursued oh, my wow. commercial. So it was, either, it was either Yale or moving to Manhattan. And That's that was like, yeah. So I moved to Manhattan and I, moved, I, 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 got, I got an apartment on 32nd well, Street yeah. uh, between 2nd and 3rd. And, um, and, and to me, you know, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee originally. So that was a big move. Moving you know? on up. Yeah, it was really <laughs> like that. Yeah, no, exactly. I was really felt like proud of myself. I felt like I had arrived and, um, you know, for me, because before that I lived in Jersey City and then I lived in Brooklyn and, you know, and Brooklyn's awesome. But I was yeah, like throwing shade on Jersey City. <laughs> yeah, I was like Jersey City. I mean, who lives there? Exactly. Who would live in, you know, in Jersey City? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, anyway, I was so anyway, I was only there for 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> But, but I was but there for exactly one year, one year, one year lease. <laughs> but it felt like twelve years, uh, twelve months. That felt like. 12 well, years. I lived in a particularly bad place in Jersey City. I just will say, so I, I yeah, really yeah. can't. There's a lot, you know. Jersey City is actually pretty big, and and I um I where I lived was was not uh not very good, and and I um. Well, it was actually much worse when you were there. Yeah, no, it's, now it, it's there like was a mint. steep rise in Jersey City in terms yeah. of you know, development. Oh, now it's really else. nice, you know, yeah. and um, I'm sure wherever I was living. Uh, it was Journal Square was like, you know, um, right. nice now. You know, I don't know, but yeah, no, um, it's like haven't been back there since. <laughs> 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 I haven't been back since the, the Halloween night that I moved out. And, uh, you know, when there was a riot on the corner, you know, and I was like, I was just like, I was easing the U-Haul van like through <laughs> the crowd, you know, as like I saw people like, you know, a fight break out, you know, next to me. And I was like, okay, yeah, anyway. And of course, we have to mention that in 94, that Williamsburg, was not Williamsburg of today and like no, actually, even though it was only yeah. one stop out of Manhattan and still is uh, that that's like that was a world away and like you by yes. moving into Manhattan you were being yes. taking yeah, yourself a, seriously it kind of a, yeah, artist, it felt, yeah it felt bigger you know. whereas now there's probably people who are like graduating SVA and going aha now I must move to Williamsburg <laughs> you know yeah it's true. but but you reminded me you you got into what I think what was happening at the time, the, the very late 80s, early 90s, there was this resurgence of independent magazines, mm. right? I, I remember just there were these one magazine after another were just coming. I mean, a lot Startups. of most of them yeah. didn't make make it more than three, four years, but mm. but you were working for one that did really well, I remember. Seven Days Magazine. Yeah. That's Seven right. Days, I, my, I started with Seven Days Magazine. I got a job there as an intern, and... Um, and before that, I was really broke. I was living on uh, these uh, student loans that I would get, and um, I, I I had a scholarship from School of Arts, but I I would live on these like student loans, and that was like my spending money. And so um, when I when I started working for uh, as an intern, I got eight dollars an hour, and I was like, I really felt like oh I yeah, had, yeah, exactly. I had really I was like <laughs> I had arrived. I mean, I remember I walked into Tom's class. I bought a leather jacket, and and um, and Tom was like. Has anybody taken a look at Greg lately? <laughs> Has, does anybody notice anything different? Like, you know, so it was, um, and I was, yeah, it was. Oh, man, he gave, he gave you guys more shit than I think almost any other class. Oh, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, but then you were already working on doing this commercial work and you thought, why go, well, get, I, why go get the MFA? I'm already getting work and I'm. You know, I, I, I never to. have thought that. I've always okay. thought, um, I, I thought that, um, I've always been apologetic 
about the commercial work. I've always felt like that this was like, um, you know, I was a prostitute basically. <laughs> and that, um, because I, you know, I, I came from Lois Connor and, and Tom Roma, you know, and I really wanted to be that kind of fine art photographer. Mm. And, um, and I, I still do, honestly, it hasn't left. So who were your influences? And who were your mentors? Well, um, besides Lois and Tom, um, you know, Lois, um, I've kept in touch with over the years and uh, Lois truly has become, you know, uh, my mentor. You know, I've really kept in touch with her. She's the reason I shoot large format and, and we've, we've, we, we travel out West together, um, early on, uh, when I was after college. And, and so like really, you know, she's had a huge influence on me and, um, and she's a, she's a great influence. And the, and the greatest influence she had on me was that is to how to live your, uh, your life as a photographer. Um, uh, on a daily basis, you know what yeah. I mean? Not to, you know what I mean? And, um, and I think that, um, um, but the other, you know, Lois introduced me to, um, Andrea Modica and, um, and Andrea has, has become uh, a close friend and we, and I, I think that, um, in a similar way, Andrea has kind of, um, you know, becoming a close friend to her, you know, I've also understood like how, you know, she's kind of lived her life as a photographer. And I think that's been uh, very powerful. You know, Andrea and I met, uh, we met when I was in college. Um, actually, I met with our group. Actually, I mean, we went to an opening, all of us together. And uh, but then uh, that you know that was kind of the initial meeting. But then uh, later, Andrea uh, Lois reintroduced us when Andrea had a need for um, she needed lighting on some job. She did some commercial job, and and so I helped her with her lighting and and. Um, and so, um, so we've kept in touch since then. I mean, just working together and everything, we developed a rapport and it was really beautiful. And so, um, so and that's been huge. And Lois, the other photographer that uh, Lois introduced me to was uh, Judith Joy Ross. And Judith has been, um, you know, we haven't been close friends, but, you know, Judith and I have, you know, kind of, you know, sort of tangentially uh, been in touch. And, you know, similarly, you know, if, if you know, Andrea, uh, Judith had a, a question about, uh, lighting or something, you know, I would, you know, I would call her up and that sort of thing. But I think that, um, but I think it's just a really important to keep in touch and, and, you know, to, you know, kind of stay connected to, um, these mentors and, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, but my, my feelings about, um, magazine work and commercial work have changed over the years. And, and I think I've, I've more love for that part of me now. You know, I used to kind of really be apologetic. I used to remember when I would come into Tom's class late and I would say, I'm, I'm so sorry, and of course, you know, beg forgiveness. And um, and I would say, you know, um, I had to, you know, I had to drop, I was on deadline and I truly had probably been up all night. You know, I'd been up all night and I was like dropped off, a, uh, you know, at the, at the magazine on whatever, Cooper Square. <laughs> um, I would drop it off there and then I would go, you know, hustle back up to um, SVA and then I would go walk into Tom's class and I would, you know, and I, I knew I was going to be a couple, you know, whatever, you know, an hour later or, or 20 minutes, 30 it's minutes a six late. hour class, as I recall. Yes. Three. Wasn't it a six hour critique? No. It was it three hours. Was it three I and mean, three? I can't imagine. Six hours. No, that's Tom's insane. class was six. Yeah. He told me. Because they had it was like. Six. It was three. Like maybe you it was had like a lunch in, break. Yeah, you had three, three in hours morning. in the morning, three hours in the afternoon. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I shut that out. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's true, actually. No, I guess. I guess so. Jesus, I don't know. Because yeah, I would meet up. Right. I would meet up with a bunch of you at lunch, and you all looked like you had been shell shocked. I mean, <laughs> it's true, and and it's funny because I, I hardly can remember anything from that. It's crazy. How can you imagine? You know, like three hours and then three hours, and I like I can't. I have very few recollections of um, of those critiques. Although I do remember some, you know, beautiful moments. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, so I think, let's see. So, so there was anyway. some guilt in there. Of the, yeah, so I really felt kind of uh, rough about it, but it was, but I, I enjoyed it. I was enjoying my commer- commercial work. I loved it. I loved them needing me. I, you know, they would call me up and they were like, listen, Greg, we need this thing. And they would uh, describe it to me. And I loved, uh, at that time, you know, so from the, in those two years that I worked at Seven Days Magazine, I went from being this intern, intern to being um, like they would like the photo editor would be on the like on the phone, and you could tell that somebody was being like an asshole to this photo editor, and I was like, and she would get off the phone exasperated, and like, oh my god, you know that guy's such an asshole, and and then I was and I was just sit there and I was like, well, what is it? what did he shoot or you know what was it, and mm-hmm. and she would describe it to me, and I was like, well, I could shoot that, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I had no problem saying, you know, right. I could do that, and um, and. And uh, and then I started. They started giving me assignments, and then you know, and then one thing led to another, and um, and and one of the turning points for me was that I took a picture of uh, John Gotti, that was a picture. It was uh, I shot. I remember it. that. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. it was really a kind of amazing moment because I and I didn't normally do that sort of thing. It was kind of like um, I don't know paparazzi style or something. Like I knew where down he was in Little going. Italy and the sidewalk. Yeah, it was or... kind of in Chinatown. It was right behind the right. the courthouses. It was it was John Boney's restaurant, and so they were having lunch there. And I I you know the magazine told me to go down there. They were going to be having lunch, and they had tipped off the whole press because there was mm. other camera people there too. But I you know I was shooting with a Leica with a twenty four millimeter lens, so I like went right <laughs> up to them. Right. And and I'm sure I'm in some in video face. footage somewhere yeah. of, sh- you know, in somebody's shop because yeah. they were on the other side of the street. Of course. Which right. evidently may have been etiquette. I don't know. But like <laughs> I didn't. But any rate, so uh, so I took this picture and it looks like, you know, they were putting on their jackets and, um, yeah, and it looks like. Yeah, code, right? Yeah. yeah and they yeah. look like they're about to pull out their guns. Right. You know, and it was kind of wild. And, and so that picture ran in seven days and then it was picked up like in Vanity Fair and uh, New yep. York Times. And um, mm. like it was, it was, yeah, it, it was ran a, it was a, big and a deal. lot. Of, yeah, it was a yeah, big yeah. deal for me. Yeah. And, um, and so like that really, um. That kind of sealed the deal. Like that was it. I was, you know, I was a magazine photographer after that, mm-hmm. and um, and I think um, so. I mean, it started being more appealing, but I, I think I still felt like um, I think for people like Tom and Lois, they were always very um, encouraging. Actually, they were always say, you know, they was like, you know, you're doing. It. You know, Tom would always say, you know, you're doing it. You know, you're a photographer, and and I I used to. I mean, I was really hard on myself. I mean, really hard on myself back then, and um, and maybe still am a little. And uh, but I I think um, so I. I don't know if I heard those words, but I'm sure I did on some level. I mean, having Tom say that's pretty powerful. Actually, it's very sweet thing. You know? I, I was just speaking to him, I guess, last night because I told him that we were recording, and um, and I, I don't remember how the context came up. He's like, "Oh, Greg is great. You know, I love Greg." Blah blah blah. And then, and I said something about the commercial work, or I said something, and he, and he says it makes all the sense of the world. He's like a very talented photographer, and he can, you know, he can make that kind of thing happen. And I think that it does take a certain photographer to mm-hmm. be able to go out and do those assignments and and keep it fresh and not to, you know, become jaded about it or or you know, like I, I'm thinking of. Well, you just mentioned John Gotti, but on your website you've got a photograph of Trump, which is yeah, <laughs> apropos and. Yeah. Um, and you can, you know, when you look at that photograph of Trump, he's in a sitting in a red car with uh, some 
hot young model or something. I can't remember. His wife. Oh, his wife. Melania. That's right. yeah. yeah, that's right. His wife, yeah. you know, on the side of it. And, you, you know, it's not the, it's not a press photo. It's not uh, a photograph that we consume now of him standing on a podium and everything. It's, it's a portrait of some sort. Right. And so right. You, you're, you're going down and I don't, I have no idea what the details of that assignment were, but you come back with this thing and you've, you've mm-hmm. constructed something and, and that takes a certain level of, uh, interest and commitment to, to, to go out and, and face those problems day in and day out, right? Yeah, that, uh, I had the good fortune of having a, um, like, so I, I, I start, I always kind of approached assignments from this place of, it was informed by my desire to do fine artwork. And so always when I go out to do an assignment, you know, on one hand, I, you know, I'm, I want to, to take up, you know, take on the weight from the photo editor, you know, I want to take on, you know, they have this problem of, you know, they need to fulfill this assignment. And so I, I'm like, you know, I'll take it on and you take it on and they don't have to worry about it anymore. I worry about it now. And then, and so that, that's one fundamental aspect of doing commercial work. But then for me, you know, I want it to be good. You know what I mean? I want it to be, you know, like, and, and I, and I, and I think that, um, you know, you have to take a certain risk in making it good, which means that, you know, have to kind of fulfill what they're asking for, which is often can be lame. You know, mm-hmm. often what they're asked for is just very down, straight down Broadway, kind of not very, you know, like it, it might just be very pedestrian. And then you have to kind of like bring to that something that would be infinitely riskier and that and make that like, you know, good. And, you know, with, with Donald Trump, you know, I mean, also, you know, what's helped in the, because I shot that, you know, I, I shoot with an 8x10 camera and an 8x10 camera has helped in, the, in a way yeah, because over the memory. years, you know, that... The eight by ten camera has a way of just um, uh, showing things the way they are. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. I think of it as like kind of an optical embrace or something. Like it's just, it's, it just is, and it doesn't heroicize at all. It, it really, if anything, makes you look a little smaller. You know, so I can kind of go in and I can photograph somebody, and they are. I, I kind of photograph like through them or the inside of them or something. It's like you know, it's almost like a psychological X-ray or something. You know what I mean? Like it's. And so in that way, you know, like when, you know, for example, the Donald Trump picture where, you know, when he came out, he was like a Lamborghini. And so he's and you know, the valet when the valet brought the valet brought it out. So and he just sat in it. Right. Mm-hmm. So the valet brought it out. And he said, you know, I don't think this thing's ever been over to, you know, second gear, you know, what right. I mean? just so you know. Anyway, but anyway, so, you know, you can imagine what the valets think of you know, <laughs> Donald Trump. Right. So anyway, but so he comes out with his with Melania and they you know, they sit there and, and he, when he goes down in the Lamborghini, he's actually really, really, really short. Like, so his face is, his, his head is just barely over, over yeah. the thing. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's good for me. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's just like, it works for me because, you know, Melania is like six feet tall. Right. And so she's sitting on them. She sits on the thing and he's like this tiny man. <laughs> And I thought, wow, you know, like I didn't, I didn't have to say a word. <laughs> and I thought we were, we had done everything, you know. And um, so anyway, but that, um, I don't know, several years later, probably about, you know, almost 10 years after that, I took that photograph. I started, um, I was working for Life Magazine and I, uh, Life Magazine would ask me to do like a feature photograph for them wherever I was, um, you know, because I would travel around a lot. So they would say, look, you know, we, we could always use like a, it's like a full page feature photo in mm-hmm. Life Magazine. And Life Magazine, by the way, was like that. It wasn't the Life Magazine. Right. Yeah. It was the newspaper supplement parade kind of size. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, a piece of, you know, really like toilet paper. But at any rate, <laughs> still, it was Life Magazine. <laughs> it yeah, was actually yeah. kind of awesome. I got two, like three covers out of it. And like, that's kind of awesome to see your picture yes. with a Life logo on. Anyway, right. 
so I, I started photographing these county fairs. Uh, this one, so I, I happened upon a county fair in in two thousand five, and I um and I went to um and so I called him up, and it was like really it was the Indio County Fair in um uh, California, and it was just this beautiful place, and I was like, wow, you know, are all county fairs like this? And I just and I and I called him up, and I said, look, you know. I had I, w- I I found this great county fair and I was just wondering can you know I think I could do a, a photo essay on this, and they said you know that sounds fantastic why don't you do that and so it was like for the rest of that year because that was February for the rest of that summer I fo- I photographed county fairs you know whenever I was around one, and so um, but when I was there you know I really wanted what I was really interested in and at that time was these like really you know I, I noticed that there was a lot of couples you know, like behind the rides and they would be mm. kind of like looking kind of like they're breaking up or, or whatever. Like I just kind of was really interested in this other, like I was interested in what I was interested in. I was interested in the kind of loneliness of the fairs that, that you know, it's a contradiction of like the, all these colors and lights and rides and stuff. And really everything was kind of like, you know, sad. And, and I, I really was interested in that kind of like relationships of people like, you know, couples and stuff. And so, um, when I turned them in, like they finally they said, look, you know, Greg, why don't you, you know, we're ready, you know, bring them on in. It was like, you know, maybe the end of July or something. They were ready to run it. And so they, I wasn't there, but they brought, you know, like I, I said, I sent them prints and they, they spread them out all over the conference room table and they showed them to the, you know, the editor and the editor was like, what the hell is this? Right. You know? And not cheery. Yeah. No, he was like, where's the rides? Where's the cotton candy? What's oh, all that geez. stuff? Yeah. He was kind of like, <laughs> these people look sad and depressed. And, um, and so like they ended up kind of killing the story mm. and they ended up running the robot picture. Um, and which is fine. But you know, that what's interesting is to, for me at that time that I had, I didn't, that wasn't devastating for mm. me. So I had changed. Like I, that would have been devastating to me at one time, you know, mm-hmm. the editor in chief of Life Magazine not liking the project. So I ended up, I learned something, you know, and it eventually ran as a photo essay in Time Magazine, but like, you know, several years later. But anyway, my motivation, like, so I had become like this, I become the photographer I wanted to be in the context of the magazines and the commercial world, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, and, you know, and that's not tricky. I mean, because you, it's like two steps forward, one step back, you know, like, cause you, you have like a good job and then you have a bunch of jobs that are like never, ever going to be good, you mm-hmm. know, like, and, you know, and so it, it's always a collaboration too. I mean, I, I think that's a really interesting, like the, you know, to Tom's point is that, you know, it does take a certain kind of uh, personality to be dealing with other, to be doing your work, quote unquote, in this context of other people's needs. Right. Mm-hmm. Other people's and expectations, other, other people's expectations yeah. and everything. So, so I think it's, uh, but you have to kind of be prepared to lose everybody. You have mm-hmm. to be prepared to lose the editor in chief of live magazine, mm-hmm. you know, shit like that, you know? And I, I think that's like, you know, to me, that was a turning point. So, and that was, you know, that led up to like that kind of thinking, I think led up to the Guggenheim, you know, year. And because mm-hmm. I submitted, you know, some of those photographs, you know, to the committee. Mm-hmm. So interesting. You know, yeah. Well, when we hear, I, I think of photographers like Collier Shore. I don't know if you know her work, but there's um, there's this intersection. There's several different intersections between, say, the commercial photography world and the art world, and where those often meet is the place where, like P.L. de Corsia, I'm thinking of Collier Shore. They they want that look for whatever the commercial job is, right? They want right. like the look of that artist's personal work to then sw- switch over. 
Is that something that's happened to you? I mean, but except for, I I, I was going to say probably not except for, and I think even write about it somewhere is the fact that you're often using or maybe always using this eight by 10 view camera. And that must, that must take a certain client who's like, okay, we want to invest in, or we want that look, or we want, we want Greg to go out and use this monster camera and he's not going to be like riding the roller coaster and doing this other thing he's going to be <laughs> right no sometimes people will give me an assignment to do a photograph a racehorse you know or something right yeah and i have to kind of like quietly explain to them you know it, we're not going to be you're not going to be getting any photographs of the horse running towards yeah, you a lovely portrait <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a handsome portrait um but uh no but uh yeah so the, well i've actually recently um i mean recently like in the last 10 years or so like stopped talking about the camera i'm trying to talk i mean i, mm-hmm. I talk about the camera all the time actually but i try and <laughs> trying not to um but i uh, just because commercially it's a kiss of death as you're you know <laughs> you know and and so i think you know it's funny because I, I i feel like i've ridden you know when i look at my work i feel like i've ridden it 50 50 you know and and i really you know like the examples you're giving um piel de Corsia and uh you know um collier shore uh, collier shore that you know they they are all in, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I, I feel, I mean, from my point of view, I feel like I can always go deeper, 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 you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's where I'm, you know, hopefully going, you know, but I, um, you know, it's like really in this place of kind of losing people, you know, and, and it's not, I mean, it, it may sound kind of, I don't know what that sounds like, but it's not that I want to lose people. It's just, I want to gain me, you know, I want to kind of like go to this place of just, you know, where I'm just, you know, focused on my work and, mm-hmm. and, um, well, I imagine I think that, that's, that's got to come want, with, you know. that also comes with time. It's not when you're yeah, first exactly. getting out of school and you're like, you're like the first couple of years and you're like, all right, what do you, what do you want me to do? Okay, oh yeah. I you're the, yeah, you're yeah. the people pleaser. Yeah. yeah I know exactly. you're like, or Jack of all trades. I mean, yeah, I was yeah. shooting anything but, but and everything in the beginning. And that's then, part yeah. of build, building up your, your credibility in a sense as well. I mean, even when you were very self-critical, you were still giving them everything doing these jobs, right? Even oh. when you were doubtful of, you know, what am I doing with this commercial work? Uh, it might not be my work. And all, all those like, yeah. those conflicts. You were still giving them a big part of yourself. I mean, you were still really working hard for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, were, oh, you yeah. weren't all cheating in. anyone. Oh, no, no, no. All in. Yeah, no, all in. Yeah. I, I think what, ha- what I realized is that I was working harder for them than I was for myself. Right. You know, I think right. that's more likely. You know, like, mm-hmm. I think you... You know, when you do commercial work, like, you you know, if Time Magazine calls, you're like, whoa, I wake up early. Right. I go, you know, I'm like, I have everything all set up and everything, you know, and, I'm, and I started thinking, I was like, why don't I do that when I'm doing my own work? Mm-hmm. You know, why don't I wake up early when I do right. my own work? Like, when, you know, and, um, and I remember, um, you know, if you, if you hang out with Tom, you know, you hear a lot of stories about Lee Freelander, you know, getting up way before you are, you know, you're, yeah. you're there, you kind of shuffle into the kitchen and he's like already been, you know. Gone through a his. box of 50 sheets <laughs> of 11 exactly. by 14 paper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, that. And so if you think about that, like, I've always thought, well, you know, Lee Freelander is doing his one and only, you know, like, if you're going to serve a god, that's the god to serve. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if you do commercial work, you know, that's a god, you know, that's going to be a god at some point, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're that is money, or it's fame or whatever your whatever your cocktail is of commercial work. Um, and, and over the years, I've been like, look, you know, like, I've got to like, I have had to be true to my own work. And I and I and it either either it shows up in a magazine or it shows up, you know, in a gallery or a museum or something. But like it, it's I want, you know, my work to, you know, to to be out, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's you know, but that work ethic is definitely something that I got from Lois, Connor and uh, Tom, you know, like that early work ethic. And I think actually we were, you know, earlier when we were talking about what's up with that class. 
somehow I think that we just got that work ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, I mean, it's just, we have to work, you know? Yeah. I got into him. Yeah. I, well, I think Lee's a great example, which we could have brought up too, is that, uh, like, did you see that book that came out a couple of years ago now of the, the car book, like, I think it's 1967 car book. Yeah. That, which was completely done on assignment. Oh, the Harpers. Yeah, yeah. no, it's so beautiful. Yeah, no, it's so great. And I saw they those hated actually. it and didn't use right. it. I know, it's so beautiful. No, that was like, I wanted to bow down to that. I was actually in Paris Photo and I saw those on the wall. And, um, and, I, I, was, and I just thought, this is so beautiful. But it was even over the top. It was, it was like that he had like, he was trying to lose them. He was like right. messing with them. Yeah, yeah, showing the brand new car in a used right. car lot. Yeah, no, he was like, watch this. I mean, yeah. it really was like, I mean, I thought, wow, you know, like he doesn't, re- he really doesn't care if he ever gets another assignment. Right. But he's doing it, but they're beautiful. Right. Absolutely. They're, they're amazing. Lee for, Lee, they're amazing Lee Freelander photographs that happen right. to have these new cars in them. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. Like that was really telling. I kind of wish I'd seen those 20 years ago, honestly. But, <laughs> but they were like, what a way. It's like a, it's like a, in a, in a blaze of glory, like to go out in a blaze or something. You know what I mean? You just really, it was, yeah. So anyway, yeah. yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, well, this might be a good spot to transition before we get deeper into this, into how you got started in photography in the first place. I mean, mm. Tennessee, right? You said you're from yeah, Nashville? Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, yeah. and um, I grew up um, yeah, and, uh, in the city. I went to public high school, and um, in the public high school, um, I had a really great art teacher, and um, his name was John Ashworth, and, um, and he was this beautiful man. And actually, talk about work ethic, I think, you know, probably I got some work ethic from him because he was always there. Um, I had to, you know, my father was a band director, mm. which is um, kind of key because, um, you know, I, uh, you know, I, ha- I ended up photographing marching bands and uh, I ended up going back to my high school and photographing my marching band. And I, I think uh, my, you know, because my dad was a teacher and he knew the principal, he was able to get me extra hours of art. And, um, and so like I was kind of majoring in mm. art when I was in high school. Like I was kind of already, you know, like I've known I wanted to be a photographer. I I became, I started working for the yearbook when I was 15 years old. Mm. And, um, and I started shooting, I was, I became the editor of the yearbook and when I was a senior. And and so I, so that idea of like publishing my work and, 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 you know, um, and shooting uh, for a purpose like that, you know, was uh, started when I was 16 years old. So I've really known that I want to be a photographer since then. And then I started working for a photographer named Bob Schatz in, uh, in Nashville, and uh, I became his assistant and had printed for him, silver printing, you know, traditional printing, in, um, you know, before I went to high school. So, uh, excuse me, before I went to college, excuse me. And, um, and so before I went to New York, I had already, like, really, kn- I learned how to print, and I knew how to light things. And so, like, I had this, like, amazing kind of advanced education. Yeah, head start, yeah. Yeah, incredible. So, um, anyway, but I think that, you know, I actually like to tell a story about, you know, when I was, um, I mean, before any of that, though, you know, when I was probably about, like, 11 to 12 years old, like, I, I remember um, my dad, so my dad, in addition to being the band director, was also an amateur photographer. He'd learned art from this, like, um, correspondence course called the Famous Artist Course, mm-hmm. and they, they had these huge art books, and, um, and those were laying around the house, and so mm-hmm. I, like, would flip through them, and I, I would try, you know, I, I was, like, learn how to draw or whatever, and and um, but he also was taking pictures. He would he would process E6 in my grandmother's basement, and he would wow. um, and he was he was big into Polaroids. And you know, and like most people at that time, you know, he would like to photo he liked to photograph my mom, 
and um, his wife, right? And so, like, I remember, um, and I, I would make regular, um, so I was, I was influenced by the National Geographics around the house, but also my, my dad had this stash of pornography that was in his closet, and I would make regular trips up to the pornography, you know what I mean? It's a little cardboard box in there. Yeah, yeah. And, and in that box, one day, I noticed there was like a brown paper sack of Polaroids oh. of my mom. Oops. Oh, man. And I think that's the reason I'm a photographer today, honestly. <laughs> I swear to God. Like, oh, that is unforgettable. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's funny because so, before you got to that story, which is amazing, I was going to ask when you were talking about the yearbook if there was like an aspect of like, a social aspect. Yeah, exactly. To that. Like, you know, right. in high school, I there was a girl that I had a huge crush on who was going out with my best friend. And I started as like, oh, I'm doing this photo project for my, my thesis and I need to photograph you for it, blah, blah, blah. And it was like a way of taking her and going off yeah. somewhere else with her. Yeah, yeah. So, no, yeah. definitely. Yeah, no, that was definitely, um, that was a part of it. I mean, I, when I was in uh, high school, uh, well, actually, no, you know, when I was in eighth grade, I had a crush on, um, this girl named Patty and Patty was in the, she was okay. So when I was in seventh grade, she was in eighth grade. So it was one year ahead of me. So she went to, when I was in eighth grade, she had went on to high school. And so Patty was, Patty started dating this guy, Chase, who was in the band Chase. and see my dad. I know <laughs> Patty and Chase. Oh man! And he was in the band, of course. And so, and my dad was a band director. So I would go to, I was not in the high school band, but I would go to those, right. uh, to the games. And so um, I remember one, uh, one night I was standing in line and I just, I was in, I was at the concession stand and I was standing in line and Patty and Chase just happened to be in front of me, right? And I wanted, I was like waiting in line for a hot dog. I don't know. So we're just all kind of like, you know, talking, joking around, whatever. And then all of a sudden the lights and the whole stadium go, they just go off. Like, and so we're in, you know, this is like Nashville, Tennessee. If there's no lights in the stadium, it's yeah. black, right? Yeah until your eyes adjust and then like i'm looking up and patty and chase are like starting to make out right there in front of me <laughs> now after this point i thought you know maybe they're friends you right. know what i mean yeah, like yeah. they're it's just possible. friends it's yeah possible. it's possible That's they're right. just friends i mean you know yeah, yeah. friends hold hands i, still I mean, have a chance i still have a chance yeah, yeah. no it's, and um and so and they're going at it and then all of a sudden you know, the lights come back on and they're like, they kind of pull away and they're like licking their, you know, kind of wiping their lips and, and, um, and I'm like staring. <laughs> Tear, like, tears rolling yeah. down too. <laughs> and I just, I, and so, um, anyway, um, I didn't feel much like a hot dog anymore, yeah, no but, um, anyway, so, but I actually do think, uh, that there is an element to that. Like if you connect all of those events, I actually think that is why, you know, there's this like thread of melancholy through my work that, you know, kind of reemerges, you know, from time to time. That's Especially why you're in the photographing film. the people making out behind <laughs> the, at the fairs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like those people standing in the concession stand and that boy that's crying. That's and, right. You know, yeah. it's all very, you know, that's yeah. why you titled them all Patty and Chase. That makes sense now. <laughs> When I do, actually, I do it now when I talk about my work, I do actually, I tell this story and, I, and I'll say, and when I get to a couple's photograph, I'll say, well, you remember Patty? Okay. So anyway. Very nice. And uh, w were any of those people encouraging you to apply, to move to New York City and apply to SVA? Yeah, so, or? well, I, yeah, I owe that to um, John Ashworth, who was, you know, key in encouraging me. And, and there were, you know, there were school visual arts posters in the, yeah. right, in the, in the art room and, 
and uh, and I would just be sitting there drawing and you know doing my work, and I would just kind of I mean literally it was like the boy dreaming of moving to New York. I mean it was it was right. like oh here I was in a small town or a relatively small town, smaller than New York, and I and I wanted to move to New York. And I when I came here, and I think I probably had a southern accent. I don't know, but I I'm sure I, you did. You had to yeah, I had to have. And uh, and I. But I got rid of it. You know, I, I really just I wanted. To, I was like, I was just. I'm just going to pretend I'm from New York, okay? And uh, yeah. assimilate, assimilate. Yeah. You also had the ponytail. I yeah, remember. no, I had long hair. Yeah, I did. and I tell I tell my my ten uh, year old daughter that I had hair down on my back. She can't quite believe that. She's like, no, but what does that look like? What did that look like? Yeah. No photo evidence there of is, this. Yeah, okay, no, come just, on. Uh, yeah, we haven't. Yeah, we haven't gotten that yeah. far. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not ready to reveal them just yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They don't seem to be laying around. Yeah. Those are not the ones that go on the wall. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> well, you know, I, sim- I went to, I was living in North Carolina and uh, up in the mountains, so not that far from the Tennessee border, near about an hour and a half uh, west of Asheville, North Carolina, yeah. if you know where Asheville is. Yeah. And I went to high school at North Carolina School of the Arts, and that's oh, how okay. I got into photography. Yeah, and there you go. similarly, it was like, you know, well, I went, I'm going to the museum school in Boston, but I came through and looked at the New York schools as well. Mm-hmm. And there was that feeling of, Wow, you know, leaving for the big city and absolutely, you know, like, and, oh yeah, you know, this is it. I, it was probably a bigger jump for you, actually. Yeah, Asheville, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, I was living in Highlands, North Carolina, which is like like yeah, small year round, two thousand people population. That's cool. So you knew early on too. Yeah, but there's that feeling of like leaving and going and and then yeah, I don't sticking I, with it. I don't remember the culture shock. You know, I really was like I was gonna make it. Like I was not going back. And, yeah. No way was I. You know. And your your father was in the arts. I mean, he was a band director, right? And oh, and I should also mention that. Um, and I think a really critical thing is that my parents were really supportive. Mm-hmm. Like you know, uh, that's huge. And my parent, my my mother was, uh, you know, my cheerleader and still is. And you know, my dad was Besides always being supportive. a boudoir model. That's right. <laughs> what else did exactly. you do? I mean, I'm thinking. <laughs> You know, it'll be it'll be great when they hear this interview, actually, <laughs> and they get to relive that story with us. Yeah, we should make a phone call. Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, yeah, they're, they're both still. Yeah, can you do that? On yeah, the right. yeah. Let's try to dial in. <laughs> let's Skype them in. Actually, they're right outside the door. <laughs> <laughs> we flew them in. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, they don't have much of a budget, but we right, have a budget right. for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're they're both still together. Both still. Yeah, still. Yeah, yeah both. You know, they're they're doing great and um yeah no, kind of great. amazing yeah um all right so now we, you you go and you come to sva you start doing commercial work while you're there and yeah. then at some point how many years after sva was it that you made that move to move into manhattan uh that was four years later and then move into manhattan and then boom you're like yeah and then i you know the next thing um i i was working for magazines i was i was doing actually a lot of magazine work and you know until uh so through 97, um, you know, it was a big year for me because I did um, a project uh, that I call Gotham now where it was another feature photograph uh, project for New York Magazine. And the, the front of the magazine was a section called Gotham, and, um, and that's where I got the name from. Um, so it's not Batman or anything, but it, 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 I actually kind of like, like that name. I mean, there's, I haven't, I've tried to name it something else, and, you know, maybe I'll change the name someday, but... Anyway, um, so those photographs were taken in 1997, and that was actually the beginning of me shooting with the 8x10 camera mm. um, exclusively. And um, I started, uh, I bought my first 8x10 camera on the street um, somewhere between 1992 and 95. And, on um, the street? On the street, on, on 14th Street, there was a guy like selling a, like a, a Kodak 
Oh, wow. T- yeah, 2D on, on the street. I don't know. You mm. know. And so I bought it. I called up Lois, actually, in fact. Um, <laughs> and so, look, you know, there's an 8 by 10 camera on the street. Like, what do you think? And she was like, I don't know. Try to get like as low as possible. <laughs> yeah. And so I can't remember how much I paid for it, but I got that. And then I borrowed a lens from Lois, and I bought a, a tripod on credit, and I put all the pieces together, and I went and I photographed at the Asher Levy pool, which is that project. And so that was like me, tra- you know, training myself to be a photographer. That was 1995. And then mm-hmm. fast forward to 1997. And that, that works all black and white. That's all, yeah, all black and white. And I was processing that in the bedroom of my one-bedroom apartment. And so I slept in the front, and I had to put dark room in the back. Yeah, I think and, everyone's done that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's exactly. Right. Yeah. That's, oh, that's a total. That's a typical layout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I, I remember giving up my bedroom, turning into a dark room. Right? Well, that was, I remember I was dating um, yeah. uh, Tina at the time, and um, you know, it's like she didn't seem to have a problem with that. I mean, I don't, you know, like yeah, good sign. It's a good sign. Yeah, yeah Tina's exactly. your current wife. Definitely, yeah. current <laughs> wife. Current <laughs> wife. Yeah, only wife. Like, yeah, you know, it's good and um, beautiful woman and. Um, Mother of your two daughters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. And um, yeah, and truly, you know, we really do have to, like, you know, hand it to a woman that marries a photographer. You know, you just have to just do a little just shout out to, you know, just just kind (laughs) of reflect on that for a second, you know, because that's just not easy at all, you know. So, um, I mean, neurotic, you know, marrying a neurotic artist and, you know. (laughs) Anyway, so so in 97, uh, so New York Magazine asked me to do this... um, this uh, uh, feature photograph and they they had known me from doing like the uh, the John Gotti photograph like mm-hmm. this uh, you know shooting with a small camera kind of yeah. work and and so um, and I suggested them I said you know I'm kind of doing this new thing with an 8x10 camera it's kind of amazing they were like oh no you know that wouldn't that wouldn't work and we can't imagine that at all you know right. what I mean and I said <laughs> oh okay well and so for a while I continued shooting you know like forcing myself to shoot with a Leica because I thought you know, this is an amazing gig. It's like, you know, you could like shoot, you know, on a weekly basis, shoot anywhere in New York. Mm. And, um, and, you know, and I tried, but I really, my heart wasn't into it. And then one mm. week I, I just decided to shoot it eight by 10 and not the way I them. thought, and I didn't tell them and I turned it in and they loved it hmm. and I loved it every, you know, it was that's like, right. it was a no brainer. It was right. like, you definitely just do this every week. And, mm. um, and so that's what I did. And I did that for like, it was every week and I have to turn in like, you know, around three good pictures every week and and I would kind of shoot like three three days a week and it was super intensive I mean mm-hmm. really intensive because it was amped up by the fact that it was being published every week in right. a magazine yeah and it was like this big I mean in the beginning yeah. nobody cared yeah you know like nobody noticed or right. you know I would tell people I'm shooting for Gotham and they're like oh I don't know what that you know like okay <laughs> yeah. but then like towards the middle of the summer people were like oh I love that you know mm. that's my favorite I, I turned to that first and I was like oh, nice shit. Hmm. Yeah, like, you know, and then and so really amped it up. And so, and all my friends were on guard. Like, if they, you know, if they saw something, if there was anything, they were like, Greg, you got to get to 46 and, you know, Third Avenue. Oh, there's, nice. an, yeah, you know, whatever. And I, you know, I would what, shoot parades. Were they getting and, you on your beeper then? What were they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would, um, yeah, so, uh, but I would, you know, I would shoot parades. I would shoot the usual stuff, but I would also, like, be photographed. I mean, I was, and I was a little bit, uh, you know, I could shoot kind of off the grid. I could, you know, I could photograph. Um, you know, whatever. The one thing that I thought was interesting about that time that I noticed is that, you know, having such an amazing experience like that, which I actually think was like my MFA equivalent, you know, like it was kind of like this intensive experience where like I really learned how to shoot with that 8x10 camera. And I would say that the way I shoot with the camera now has to do with that day, that year, you know. Yeah. And, and you were already at, at that point. Uh, so we're in the mid 90s figuring out 
how to do the commercial work and how to maintain what the photographs you want to make. Yeah, and I well, and I, I think that it came from that year. Like I really learned that. Uh, like I somehow squeezing the what I'd learned, like the the picture I liked with my Leica, and what I learned from shooting in the moment, I squeezed it into that an eight by ten, and that was everything. Mm. So I'd taken two things, I combined them, and that and that was um, that made uh, that was everything. Yeah, we'll, we're going to link to your website on ours, but um, if people look and they go to the Gotham series on there, they'll see that, yeah, you'll see it, yeah. that they and I, they don't look like the typical 8x10 view camera portraits, you know, someone up against a wall standing stiffly. They, they, yeah. you, if, if you didn't know they were taken with a view camera, you probably wouldn't know. Right. Well, yeah, and some are better than others, you know what I mean? And, and, so, and I always thought if it doesn't work, if it looks set up, uh, you know, if it looks like I directed people, then it's a kind of a B movie. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. there was this sort of like suspension of disbelief that I was going for that you, know, you would go for if you were making a film. You know, mm-hmm. like and so m- mine were just very, very short films. You know, right. and um, and so I think that uh, so that I've I've enjoyed doing that, and I don't care that you know people will tell me. I mean, people will ask me constantly. Actually, are these all set up, or or they'll you know and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, kind of, but you know, you know what right. I mean? Like, I mean, honestly, you know, there they're, they're really are the people as they were. Hmm. I'm inspired by the moment that I saw in the first place. Right. And I really, you know, because I shot with a Leica for so many years, I really do want that moment. You know, I really do want, and I, I've, over the years, like, if, I, if I'm too much of a dictator and I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've pushed too hard, then it's just no good. Yeah, Tom, you know, Tom always calls it directing as opposed to setting something It's totally up. directing. Right. It's totally mm-hmm. directing. And, it, and I don't... Um, and I don't have any problem with that. You know what I mean? I'm not a photojournalist. I mean, there was a moment, you know, I remember I, I had all my pictures spread out at Time Magazine. I was like, it was uh, Marianne Golan um, photo department. And, um, and I had all my, and I was showing 20 by 24 prints. So they were all over the huge mm. conference table up there. And everybody, were, it was going really well, actually, you know. Um, and, um, but one of the photo editors said, you know, are these all set up? <laughs> and there was like this pregnant pause, you know, it's Time Magazine, right? And so everybody's like, well, gee, you know, that kind of matters, you know, that's a good question, you know, well, Greg. And, and I said, um, you know, I'm not a photojournalist, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I, I'm not. And, and I, and I, and I don't know where that like act of prowess came from, but you know, I'm glad I said that, you know, yeah. but I mean, and, and, you know, and I, I, I stood to lose a lot of work. I mean, over the years I've actually have done the kind of assignments that time magazine can give a person who's not a photojournalist. But so right. I actually, I mean, maybe I, you know, but you, you don't, those were never your jobs to begin with. You know what I mean? Any job that would have gone to a photojournalist uh, is not, not my job. You know what right. I mean? So yeah. it's not like they weren't familiar with editorial work, right? Or no, of course not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. It wasn't like they were like, like what? Right. You know, like, yeah. What the hell is Get this? Out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, of course, of course. Yeah, you mean that woman wasn't just holding the box of right. the product in her hand yeah, naturally exactly. as she yeah. was yeah. walking from one place to the other? Oh, no. yeah. anyway. Would you describe yourself as a portrait photographer? Yeah, I'm a portrait photographer. But I, I think I, you know, but there's a lot that aren't portraits. You know, they're really these. Um, they're narratives. You know, they're like narrative portraits or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate words yes. to describe. I mean, these are, you know, but these are words totally that people use to describe my work. I mean, you know, and and I probably should be the one giving them the words, you know, instead of them coming out, instead of the words that they end up coming up with. But Yeah, I mean, I um, think, uh, I assume the, the work on your website from the f- photographs in Nashville, that's what you were working on during your Guggenheim year, right? Yeah, Nashville was the project that I did. And I proposed to the Guggenheim to... 
to do marching band camps of the South was right. actually my proposal. And, um, and then when I arrived in Nashville, I realized that I really needed to just photograph Nashville. Mm -hmm. Like I needed to just throw a wide net over the whole city. And, and really I ended up just photographing, going, like putting pins in a map of all the places we lived. We actually happened to move around a lot for various reasons. Um, i we lived in like 17 places in the 18 years I lived there. Crazy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there were some years I think I, we moved twice and, um, mm. but, um, each time buying a house or no, no renting. No, oh, we rented okay. a lot. You know, my oh, parents, okay. I think they, they own one house to, you know, briefly. And, um, so my parents have always rented actually, you know, we've always lived in apartments. Mm. And, um, and so, um, so that's kind of an interesting, uh, I, for that reason, I actually hate moving. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, I had, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, I, I think it's interesting, it had an interesting impact on us, but um, I mentioned that body fork only because those of the stuff that I saw on your website, those are the ones that strike me the most as being the closest to like a landscape type of yeah. photographer's approach to looking at a place. And I mean, there are people in the photographs and, and stuff, but it feels much more like landscape photographs as opposed to portraits or narrative portraits or photographs where the people in the photographs predominantly provide the meaning of the photo, right? That's right. And, yeah. uh, and I, you know, I backed off more and I was trying to back off more. I was also thinking, you know, there's a, there's an aspect of shooting for magazines, which is that you get an, you know, you end up getting tighter. If you look at the Gotham pictures, you know, I was shooting for something that was like, you know, the, the negative size is eight by 10, but it ran four right. by five. Right. And so, so my work often takes a reduction from the original size, uh, to be in a magazine. So for, you know, and so I wanted, when I, when I shot for the Guggenheim, I was like, you know, I was kind of thinking like 40 by fifties or, you know, I was just imagining a larger size. And so I wanted mm. to be able to walk in. So I backed off on many of those. And, um, and still though, I feel like, you know, they can still be kind of tight actually, you know, like, I just think it's interesting, you know, it's an interesting game to play of, um, Ami Lee talks about, you know, um, like seeing how far you can back off. Yeah. Oh, well, certainly with her last body of work, it's <laughs> yeah. like, like, right. you know, like people are these tiny little things. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, Ants. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of amazing, but it's it, to, to great effect. Yeah. yeah. Of course, you got to see the work big, too. Yeah. And but I think that it commands that like you, it, it starts, you want it to be bigger, you mm -hmm. know, like it ends up being bigger. And, and you mentioned um, uh, in an article or another interview that part of the reasoning for casting this wide net was the, the place wasn't the same as it was when you were there. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So the whole thing is like, it's a little bit of a, it's like time travel where, you know, I'm, I'm my, the years I'm referring to in my mind or, you know, are 1978 and I was in 2008. So I was arriving at this town and also my parents had moved to Portland, Maine oh. and um, my, you know, I didn't have any family there. And the closest mm -hmm. family I had was my friend Bob Schatz, who was my, you know, my mentor when I was in high school. Oh, yeah. So he would, you know, I stayed at his place and, and, um, and I would have, you know, I would go over and have dinner with his family. And, you know, I mean, it was just really, you know, kind of amazing. And, and, uh, so I, you know, I felt taken care of there, but it was also actually extremely lonely. And I have to say, you know, the Guggenheim year I look back at it and I, uh, it was, it was actually kind of, um, I, I had a lot of depression actually during that year. Mm -hmm. I think it was kind of an interesting, um, like getting the Guggenheim. I, it was like an ego adjustment or something. Like it just really wasn't. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see myself as someone who would apply for a Guggenheim, much less get it at Guggenheim. Guggenheim had always been like you know something Gary Winogrand got or uh, Dean Arbus got. You know, it was not something that like mere mortals get. And, right. And so I think I, 
I um, so when I got it, I, I was I was really in shock. I well, think. it was it was something your mentors had, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. Tom had you know two or whatever, right. and <laughs> and so like I I just think yeah no it was it was so was it was it the expectations that you that got to you or or was it um did it feel like a letdown afterwards or. Well, I think that one of the things was that my fam- I, you know, I went to photograph by myself. You know, my family wasn't around. My family and my wife went to um, spent the summer in uh, California with her brother and and took Joya, our daughter, with her. And so I was, I kind of intentionally isolated myself. You know, in Nashville. And Nashville is not, you know, it's my hometown. You can imagine, like going home. You know, it's like a, it can, you know, induce depression. You know what I mean? Sure. Like it's just like a, you know, because you're, I'm returning there. I'm like, I'm rummaging around in old, you know, buckets of fish heads, kind of of ghosts, and yeah. things, you know what I mean. So it's like I'm, yeah. I was kind of actively researching. Like I would, um, you know, I was kind of looking around. You know, I was kind of researching the death of my grandfather, which is, you know, the the whole project was, you know, roughly based on that. And what I wanted to get out of it was this. Um, you know, I was returning home uh, after 20 years of living in New York, but I wanted to, in returning to uh, Nashville, I was sort of um, investigating the, um, the return, my, my, my grandfather um, moving, my family moving to Nashville in the first place. Because my, you know, my family is not originally from Nashville. Um, my grandfather was um, from, uh, my, fa- my mother's family is from Bangor, Maine. And so... Oh, that's where they ended up going back, right? Maine? Yeah, so my parents now live in Portland, Maine. That's yeah. right. So, um, so my on uh, in nineteen forty nine, the day uh, right after Thanksgiving dinner on in nineteen forty nine, my um, my grandfather and his family, my grandmother and my mother, uh, my mother was ten years old at the time. They um, they drove down to Nashville uh, immediately following the dinner, and they. Um, and there, I have a picture um, of of my mother, um, like with her cousins that she grew up with in Maine, and they're like, um, like you can tell that she's like crying. She's been oh. crying in this picture. Like they had told her, like maybe a week before, that she was going to be moving wow. forever to Nashville, Tennessee, I mean, <laughs> from Bangor, Maine. That's like a almost like some sort of a fossilized record, right? I mean, the it, actual moment that it happened. Yeah, it's right? crazy. Like yeah. they would just line them up. You know the way that we do. We line yeah. up kids. Like okay, come on, get. And so right before she got in the car you know before her life was going to forever change and there she was never going to see like what was kind of like her brothers and sisters she was an only child so i mean her brothers so so she gets in the car and you know it's like a two day two day two to three day journey you know at that point there's no interstates you know so they like drove you know that uh, that old route one view you're right uh, right exactly yeah just a route one to route you know whatever it is through uh virginia and so um, so this, so this was kind of, you know, on my mind when I was there in Nashville, that there was this idea. So that my, that we were not, we were transplants for sure. And my, my mother, uh, you know, talked all her whole life about, you know, uh, when she was, when she arrived in Nashville, that there was this, um, you know, they're still playing Dixie before, um, before, uh, concerts, it was, it was segregated. It was, you know, and, um, uh, and so it was really um, like culture shock for her. And she actually, I mean, my, both my mother and my grandmother talked all, all the time I was growing up uh, about, you know, kind of, you know, Nashville not being the place they wanted to be or, or kind of like kind of hating Nashville. You know what I mean? So I kind of grew up with this kind of like sense that this was not like, you know, home exactly. So, so I think that I, uh, so there was this, so what happened is, is in 1960, 
uh, eight, my grandfather died. Um, he had um, he had a he was on it, it was a uh, open heart surgery and and he they were not able to get the the heart starting started again and so so he died in in 1968 and so that was actually only 20 years after they had arrived in Nashville you know and so um, so and that was. I was one year old, right? You know, so I had just arrived on the scene, and um, and my grandfather died. So, my whole life, I felt like that I had, I kind of grew up with this like thing that was missing. It was like this hole in our family, and so when I when I went back to Nashville, I really wanted to sort of, you know, investigate this, and I was, you know, I went down to the, to the, you know, the where they keep the records in Nashville. And I, I looked, um, you know, I looked at my grandfather's death certificate and I, and I went back, I returned to all, to all the houses that we lived in. And, and, um, so it was sort of like, you know, so Nashville was this like, you know, investigation of my childhood, even though I, I had only 2008 to deal with, you know what I mean? It was really like putting together this mystery and after the fact, you know? And so, um, so I think that, you know, for me, when I look at those pictures, you know, I, I didn't want to have to tell this story or tell personal details necessarily when people look at the photographs, you know, but I really wanted to, I wanted it to be informed. So the whole thing for me was to make pictures that people could kind of get the sense, if nothing else, of their own, you know, story of their, you know, uh, their own hometown, their own house, you know, their own grandmother's house, you know, like these kind of like universal things, you know, and, uh, I was hoping that that would come across, you know, without me having to tell my story of, of, you know, so just by doing a little, the research, you knew you weren't going to, you weren't photographing the place you had grown up necessarily, but you wanted to somehow, uh, get into the right frame of mind, get into the, the right place, the way you were photographing where people might feel a connection. Right. I wanted it to be, you know, I wanted people to like, I wanted to make pictures that were sort of general enough yet informed with this sort of personal, like something that spoke to me. I mm-hmm. thought if I made a picture that spoke to me, that other people would kind of pick up on whatever it was that was going on. And, and so, and, um, and I, I think I succeeded. I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, I want them to have an appeal, uh, kind of a, a, you know, something I want to be able to, you know, the pictures to be about this homecoming and um you know kind of a returning and also this strangeness like this kind of like being out of out of sorts you know out of you know not exactly comfortable with the place and um and i and i i think um and also all the moving around and everything so i was reliving it you know i was like really like moving around 2008 nashville reliving my past so i mean what's more depressing than that yeah i remember the first time i went back i I grew up in this tiny little town in florida first time i went back i thought oh was I that poor? <laughs> was I, is this yeah. where I lived? I mean, my house was tiny. Yeah. So yeah, no, right. it's it's it could be quite a trip. But when did your parents leave? My Nashville? parents left. Uh, let's see, probably a couple of years before that. A okay. couple of years before that. So they. Yeah. So, I mean, they did were, you witness oh, it changing over time? I mean, how many times no, were you back and forth? No. Oh, okay. No, not really. I mean, I I was um, no. So I it was like a it was like a cut of like twenty years. Like I went back. Wow. I mean, so that, I, that, yeah. I mean, I would go back and visit. Yeah. Like for Christmases and stuff. But I wasn't, uh, you know, I really wasn't like seeing the, the city change or right. anything. Right. And you know what's interesting is that actually since 2008, that city has changed completely. Mm. So yeah. those pictures look like the 80s or something. Right. You know, now, like it's, it's kind of wild. So it's right. aged. Yeah. Like I used to use the word contemporary city to describe the pictures of, the, of 2008. Mm. And now right. they're dated again. So like this yeah. whole time travel idea is actually a layering effect. And um, so I, I think that, yeah, it's very powerful, and I, I think um, I, I, I think that's my best body of work. 
honestly. And I don't know if you get to say that as a, you know, which one is your best body of work, I think, you know, but I, 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 I still think it's, you know, I did a lot of work. I shot hundreds so, of sheets of film in, and I, I blew all the money in six months and, um, <laughs> or less. I don't know. But, um, I remember if, if I could, if I, if the Guggenheim year was my best year, I can, I can arguably say that the, the year after the Guggenheim was your, my hardest year. Mm. It was like, you know, you, mm. like you run out of money and, you know, you haven't worked in six months and mm. you know what I mean? And, mm. and, you know, that grant as big as it is, is not enough to carry you for two years. You know what I mean? Right. So like, and, and also, you know, they're like, and this year's, you know, there's the 2009 Guggenheim winners and you're like, you know what I mean? And you're We're just so last like, year. Yeah. So it's like winning an Academy Award, like 15 minutes later, you want another one. You know what I mean? Like you're just kind of so. Um, yeah. Except yeah. for, I guess, in the Academy Award, then if you're an actor or, or in the movie business, then you get to say, oh, but I'm. I have an Academy Award, and therefore you're you're going to get paid more, and all this other stuff. I, I don't imagine the magazines yeah, and people giving you assignments are like, "Oh, damn, Greg got a Guggenheim. Now we're going to have to like give him more work or pay him more." Yeah, no, I think if anything, it actually had the opposite effect. I think right. I got less work actually. Yeah, yeah. If I mean, you know, I don't know if that was just me not working for six months, you know, but yeah. like, you know, but yeah, it had a weird, it had an interesting effect. It, oh, he's an know, art but, photographer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and, you're uh, in a different world. I think it's, but it, you know, it's it's uh, it's a great thing. I'm I'm grateful. I mean, beyond words, and but you know, but it yeah, it has an interesting effect. And and I, um, but I like to talk about it actually because you know when I was um, there's not a whole lot of information uh, out there. I mean, I think it's good to talk about and it's good about talk about the process of of applying. Um, I like to talk about that um, because I think it's good for people to apply. I have to say that you know I think that applying just applying had an effect on me and I think that was good for me you know to um to write out the the uh there's a bio you write and um and then which was by far the hardest thing to write and then there's the proposal you have to write and um and so I think you know it's you know you have to go deep you know you when you write the the bio you know I think it was you know I, I think you really have to talk about you know like really personal essay like where you're from like where you know what's your earliest memory of photography you know and um i actually don't think i mentioned the polaroids but you know, <laughs> and now you know yeah. now you know the truth yeah. um, well, now you can work on your second good <laughs> no, they don't give us they don't give to anymore oh, oh but I, I, they actually i don't know i mean if they heard about the polaroids they might actually. yeah yeah that's right maybe i'll just apply just to check you know, yeah yeah so. they might bring it back i i want to circle back to the portrait idea again because um it's something that i've certainly struggled with like when i was in i guess when i was in college or later i at some point i had this realization about portraits and photographing people forget portraits because that is a loaded term let's just talk about photographing people where you would show the photograph to somebody and they would immediately love it or not based on whether or not they were interested or attracted to the people in the photograph, right? Mm -hmm. And that the, mm -hmm. the people in the photograph, like Donald Trump or John Gotti or whomever it is, or a beautiful woman or a beautiful man or whatever, that that could often, to use the word Trump again, trump the, whatever else is in the photograph that they're like, oh, wow, he's amazing or this is great or whatever. Oh, I can't believe they've got a boa constrictor around their neck or whatever. Right, right. And so... I, I made a conscious effort to move away from photographing people for many, many, many years because mm -hmm. of that. Because I was like, I was like, this, you know, if I, you know, Annie Leibovitz, become a celebrity photographer, and then people are going to love your photographs. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, she does more than just put them up against a wall. 
But how about the like the how do you find that photographing people and having that as like a predominant uh, mode of expression? Mm. Um, what what about it seduces you, and what oh, about yeah. it? What keeps you interested in it? Well, is, that, yeah, no, that's good. You brought that up because that, that's really um, it's a big deal for me. So, um, and I. I Intentionally, do not. I'm not interested in celebrity photography, and I, and it is interesting what what you're saying actually because it's true that I do tend to think you know those pictures are very popular often because of who they are and not because it's a good picture you know right and um and yeah, I think if you get if you get a photograph of Kim Kardashian right now you know you could get millions of likes on social media or something yeah right? yeah it's crazy and so. So I, I'm really interested in, in people, and I, I think that, uh, like, you know, not I'm really interested in, like, I kind of see something in people that I feel like people don't see. And I like to, I liked, I like to photograph that. I mean, that's really what I'm interested in. And, and it's sort of, um, so I'm sort of in the, like, this, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, a, like, I don't know, like, it's all, here's another loaded term, is a, I'm kind of a humanist, you know, where I feel like I... Like I kind of liked, I see something in them. Like if you could imagine, like seeing people as, um, like you, you know, you see an adult, but you kind of, you can kind of imagine them as a child, and you kind of have this like kind of empathic, um, you know, uh, you know, endearment to them because of that, you know, and um, and as opposed to them being, you know, like you know, you walk on a, you walk on an airplane, a crowded airplane or a bus or something, you're like, oh my god, these people are driving me crazy. You know, yeah. you're kind of like, this is an opportunity to like, you know, just hang out with humanity. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so I think I, I've always liked the crowded bus experience. I've always liked mm -hmm. that. You know, like I've always liked that energy. I mean, that's why I came to New York. I love that about New York. I've mm -hmm. loved. You know, I used to hang out on the corner of, um, you know, Seventh Avenue and Thirty Fourth Street. I, you know, I love. I love photographing on that corner. I love the people kind of passing me by. I love the smell of different people and stuff like I just I love all that and I, I also and so now like I love like if you can if I can pull off like telling a story whether it's real or it's just imagined you know in like in the narrative of the picture I love that you know and I and I think that I like kind of seeing that you know and you don't always see it you know it's not it's not like you always see it but when you do it's like it's it's such a gift you know and um so I mean I so yeah no celebrities are like the furthest thing you mm -hmm. know from what i'm interested in and I, I have a few celebrities but i you know but in similarly you know i i include those in a portfolio you know to kind of yeah like, for assignments yeah stuff, like yeah, it, but it's not really but it, clearly you know like over the years i'm really interested in people that don't have publicists you know the people that are like you know they're regular people quote unquote and um and i really um yeah does that kind of yeah no, speak I, to what it, you're talking it, about it does then? and um i like the uh, maybe the one um, series on your website and stuff that I saw in person too that goes closest to thinking about this is the um, Unto Dust, the yeah. photographs for all that were all taken I guess over more than a 15 year period 18 years, yeah. 18 year period of yeah. people on Ash Wednesday. Which is like 18 days if you think about it. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had these Ash Wednesday portraits. So there's in one hand there's a common thread in that everyone in the photographs happens to have a mark on their forehead in right. the form of a cross and they're all during the day and they're all outside and there's right. like, it's all midtown right yeah there's like a common thread running through them but on the other hand they're also people you don't know people you weren't sent to photograph on assignment they're just they're people that you've encountered in the world and now are making these 
environmental portraits of them wherever you happen to find them with the 8x10 view camera. Very often shallow depth of field and just like a real kind of straight on portrait. Yeah, kind of a testimonial portrait. And that's the way, you know, when I first started shooting with the 8x10 camera, that was the way I started photographing. And I think it's tempting to do that um, when you first, like, I, I think photographers, when they first start shooting with a large format camera, kind of, I mean, also because the ground glass is, is kind of brighter in the center. Yeah, it's seductive. Like too, people yeah. will, yeah, you'll kind of sit in them and, and do this kind of testimonial portrait. And I, I, um, so I actually do return for one day a year to photographing that way. And so it's mm-hmm. like, you know, like, so I, I otherwise photograph, like I'd really try to back off and do a narrative portrait, but the, you know, in those when, you know, for this one day, I'll, I'll do the, I'll return to this one way of photographing, which is in, in essence for me, like sort of a religious, you know, kind of returning or, or I don't know, ceremonial kind of, um, returning cyclical mm-hmm. thing. And, um, so I think it's appropriate for that. Um, uh, but I think that uh, so that is yeah. I mean, uh, you know, under dust is is like you know like kind of speaking to that, you know, the way I see people. You know, so there's like if you can imagine like if you had Samuel Beckett on one side and um, and then like um, Rumi on the other. You know, like you know I feel like I'm more on the Rumi side, mm. you know, than the Samuel Beckett like hopelessness. You know, and I think I probably would. I think I lose a lot of people, you know. I think that I probably I would be more successful as an artist if I were to be more in the Samuel Beckett like kind of. <laughs> there is a melancholy I mean, thread. I mean, I, I mean, there is melancholy, but it's not completely hopeless. I mean, I think yeah. that there's like I I think I just I find the world. I mean, I, I think there's sort of an optimistic uh, or something like a humanistic thread that runs through my work. I mean, and I and I. You know, I just think it's, you know, so I, I don't, you know, so anyway, so that's, you know, the, so that's kind of what's operating there. And um, so um, it's kind of a sublime, you know, beauty, you know, to it. On a side note, I often, uh, every year in my digital documentary class, uh, I have an assignment where they have to bring in four different uh, groups of five photographs that represent a span of time. One that looks like you look at the five and you go, that that's about a minute. This one's about, a, these five look like about an hour. These five oh, look cool. like about a week. And these five look like about a month. And uh-huh. uh, I bring up as an example, your project. Oh, because, nice. Because it's like, look at these photographs. These were made over, uh, you know, I, I think at the time like, I was saying 12 or 13 years, Yeah, yeah. but there's nothing in those photographs that you would ever know they could have all been made in an afternoon or something like, so what is, That's right. what's, what, what about time are you representing in, in your series as if you're making a series of photo- photographs, how do you want people to think about the span of time that's going on in the photograph? Mm. And, you know, and that it's not necessarily related at all to the effort put in, right? It's not. Oh like, yeah, no, you would never know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, and actually I think photographers do kind of hide their effort. I mean, mm. You know, it's very easy to look at, um, uh, you know, you look at Lee Freelander's work, actually, to bring him up again, you know, like, to, if you look at his work, you would never know mm. that that man works as hard as he does. I mean, you know, it's, it looks effortless, it looks light, it looks, you know, mm. like he's dancing or something, you right. know what I mean? But he's, like, working his ass off. Uh, but I wanted to, because we were talking about time, and we were, you were talking about the compression of the mm. Unto Dust project, when right. you were talking to your students about... Um, this idea, like how long, you know, how long was this taken? Was this over a day or was this over years? Mm. And I actually like to think of, you know, because I have, I've been shooting long enough now that, I mean, with the Nashville project and also with, um, unto dust that I, that there's this, there's this idea for me of like time travel, you know, that like the closest we get to time travel is like having this awareness that photographers have of that things 
will change, mm. you know? And, um, and I think that's something that photographers kind of exist in mm. that if you, like, if we were to photograph this right now, like we don't, you know, like it's like, if you were to, and also, you know, like I've, I've lived, you know, long enough, like now I can look back 30 years ago and, you know, uh, 20 years ago. And, um, and I can kind of look at that and like, man, I wish I had a picture of the floor or the, you know, the, that, that room or that person or, you know, uh, and, um, and I've lost some people over the years. Like there's people that, you know, I'm kind of like, I can't believe I didn't take a picture that day, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and I think, um, so I think that there's this idea of like, you know, kind of like, uh, preserving, I don't know. It's not, and it's not about preserving. It's just that there, this idea that you, um, that you can kind of have this layering effect of time. And, and I think that's, uh, to me, that's, you know, that's an aspect like this kind of, you know, cause I, I, with Nashville, like I went back in time, you know, I was trying to go back in time and, um, and I wanted to make pictures. I didn't have access to my, you know, my childhood, but I was, so I was looking for my childhood in 2008. And, mm -hmm. and I think that that, you know, to me is, um, you know, something you can do with photography that you can't exactly do with anything else, you know, cause photography can look like, you know, it can, 2008 can look like 1978. Right. You know, yeah, absolutely. And, and, yeah. So, right. Uh, whenever, uh, picking up on what you're saying, I, I think most photographers I've spoken to have that feeling of being the person in the car, or the person walking down the street who notices like, oh, look, they tore down that building or they, or they modified, or this is a new store. Or you're like, you notice changes in the, in your environment, especially if it was something that you meant to photograph and now it was gone. There's like that yeah. sense of loss. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I let myself down. I should have, I should have gone back and photographed it. But um, I often think of the great William Christenberry project where he photographed mm, those right. buildings over mm -hmm. decades, you know, yeah. and just to see them add the porches on and something go yeah. from a, like a little, you know, five and dime store and suddenly then it's a liquor store, then it's uh, torn down and then something else goes in right. its place. That's you know, it. yeah, exactly. that, that passage yeah. of time and that, that yeah. preservation. So you're, you're a time traveler. And, and the thing is, we're all time travelers. It's just we're all traveling in the same direction. <laughs> like we're all traveling in one direction. Yeah. And uh, but, you know, if you have the wherewithal to photograph today, knowing that 20 years later will come, right. then it's as close as we have to time travel. And it catches you by surprise sometimes. I mean, you go back and you look at those photographs and you realize, I've been photographing that same area for you know 20 years now. And yeah. you, you know, doing it, of course, you don't necessarily notice what's been happening, but then you get to, you get to see that. You get to see it through, you know, looking through the photographs over the years. Yeah. So, yeah. And actually, I think was also comes up in this, like when mm -hmm. I think about that, you know, because he was, so he was realizing that things were crumbling around him, and you know what I mean, like there was this kind of preservation. As, yeah, he was know. looking specifically yeah. right. for what was still what he remembered as being right. what Paris was, and yeah. then going for the modern stuff afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, another photographer I heard you mention and uh, maybe another interview was a Winston Link. Talk about putting oh, in some effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, I was just <laughs> okay. thinking about that picture. Getting that one shot. Oh, I love that yeah. picture. I love that picture so much. I, go, I, I, I take my class to, um, to the Museum of Modern Art every year, and, um, and I, I, we always pull out that one. You know, there's actually only, there's only a couple that have the stuck on the – the airplane that's stuck on the oh yeah yeah the, on the screen the, uh, yeah it's on the the uh, the screen and um, and so the drive-in screen it's an airplane and um, and 
Uh, no, I, I just love, I love, you know, visiting that, um, that print, you know. Yeah. Well, you just mentioned uh, your class. Yeah. So you started working for uh, ICP, International Center of Photography. You started teaching for them back in 99, 1999? I think so. Actually, uh, it might have been 2000. I just can't remember. But yeah, it was around 2000. It was when, it was right before they moved to the new space. So it was, it was I, would t I started t teaching for them when they were in the mansion. Yeah. So what, what led up to that? How did that happen? Well, I, I was... Um, Allison Morley developed the documentary um, photojournalism program up there, and uh, uh, she pulled in um, uh, photographers uh, to teach um, what they do, and um, she was developing the program. And so she asked me to teach, and um, I, she knew I taught, uh, and she knew that I was doing large format, and so she asked me to teach a large format photography class. And so I actually ended up teaching large format over the years. But I've really enjoyed, I mean, I, I love it. it it's like, um, yeah. And you've been consistently there since then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I was my only teaching gig for years. Yeah. Wow. No, I mean, just recently, I I do workshops now, but I um, uh, but no, yeah, ICP has been my yeah that one class, you know. And I've actually, I mean, you know, during that time, this is like from 2000 until, you know, 2008. I you know was a really hot time to shoot you know, commercially, and so um, so I was really very busy. Actually, I mean, I had no time to teach anything else. You know what I mean? I had my one class, and I. And I considered it like charity at the time. I mean, I thought I was like, you know, I mean, I didn't, you know, I wasn't waiting for the check or anything. I mean, it was, I don't know, like, yeah. it was just kind of like, you know, but, uh, I but think since it, then. Anyone who does right. adjunct gigs, I think, has that basic feeling about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it was, it was sort of just, but I, I really loved, um, you know, something standing in front of a, a room full of students. It makes you kind of you know, wow, you know what I mean? I got to like do what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Oh, I really yeah. got, you know, like it really just changes. I mean, so early on, I remember like feeling like, yeah, what is this? You know what I mean? What do I do? You know what I mean? Right. Like describing it to people. And, and um, I mean, my early classes, I think were terrible, but I, I've gotten much better at it. And, and now I think I really, you know, yeah, I if I do say so myself, I think I'm, you know, and actually I've also gained, gleaned from it this ability to public speak, you know, that like this, I've kind of, it's gotten rid of the nerves of, mm -hmm. you know, um, of just talking and so um so anyway you know I, I i owe a lot to icp and i i really love that school i mean i, I have to say their heart is in the right place and you know i i do want that i mean if there was ever a place that i worked that i would wear their uh, cap and <laughs> t-shirt or whatever i don't know you know i mean i just kind of like i think they really do a great job i mean i have to mm -hmm. say and and a lot of um i've seen you know now after teaching as long as i have you know i mean i've seen a lot of the students become successful photographers and so you know that's kind of the I mean, what else is there? Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, getting back to that idea of um, having that moment. I remember, uh, uh, you know, keeping you honest, right? Where yeah. when, I, when I started adjunct teaching photography, I, I remember thinking, well, I just gave them this lecture and I'm, do I do that? <laughs> right? Yeah. Here I am telling them to do these things and I'm wondering. Right, no, and, and, and there's, there's things that I've told them to do that I do now. Yeah, like that I, right. you know, <laughs> um, like I'm, I'm, you know, so it kind of cleans up shop a little. <laughs> you know, and uh, so I think, yeah. And I'm, I'm curious also to hear about your doing these, um, the remote teaching thing or remote learning. Oh, I yeah, think remote mentoring. Yeah, yeah no, remote I, mentoring. it is. It's, um, it's, it's going pretty well. I have, uh, I have a few students and we, we, we meet over Skype and so they can mm -hmm. be anywhere. They could be in Australia or, is that you know, we just have to work out the time difference, but. Um, is that through ICP as well? No, or? no, that's only, that's my okay. own thing. And so these are your own workshops. Yeah, but it's yeah. really like, it's, it's sort of like we meet twice a month. And, um, and they'll kind of shoot in between our two meetings and it's very casual. I mean, we just meet and, and, um, and people, you know, uh, some, one person's working on a book right now. Um, I'm helping him edit and, and also shoot more. And then there, you know, and I'll have a student that's 
wants you know has like only only done commercial work and they want to do you know more serious kind of study you know like and and so it really runs the gamut it, it's interesting you know and you and you meet up and and sometimes i i think you know because i might suggest to them you know maybe a class would be better if, if if a classroom experience would be better but sometimes i think you know this is actually perfect for you you know what i mean this is kind of like you just us just talking one-on-one mm -hmm. is kind of ideal for some people you know yeah. like they don't really need that you know the classroom experience is really good for you know um that intense you know having all these people around that is an amazing energy you know having mm. the classroom experience having the other people but you know sometimes it's actually really powerful just to have that one-on-one -on -one. Uh, yeah i think there's something about just knowing that you're going to be meeting up with someone and showing them their work you're going to meet up and show somebody your work that puts the pressure on right yeah for sure. and so Maybe they don't need to be in a class, but they need to know that they're going to be talking to you in a week or something, and they're going to, you know, to produce something and have something new to have a conversation about. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I've been recently starting to uh, commute by bicycle to work. Nice from Bushwick, mostly because I'm. Oh yeah, The L train's supposed to be closing down uh, for two years, and so I'm oh, getting. That's true. I'm yeah, you're getting used myself. to it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> getting yourself in shape. <laughs> exactly. But uh, every day I go over the 59th Street Bridge and. Mm. You know, I go over, it takes me about five minutes to get to either side, but if someone passes me, like some guy passes me on another thing, I like crank it up. I'm like, oh, this guy's not going to pass me. And I'm like, you, oh, that's you, funny. A little you get, competitive. You, yeah, yeah, you get competitive and you get amped up. And <laughs> and I think the same thing happens in graduate school. I mean, it happens oh, if you've got something yeah. where you, there's other, you've got peers, you know, of some yeah. sort, and you want to measure yourself against them and you want to show that you're also doing it, that even if you're not consciously doing it, it puts the pressure on and it amps it up, you know, mm -hmm. you know it brings up something out of it. Yeah. And uh, I also did um, a year of, um, like this master class that you can do through Bard College where I met with Stephen Shore every, yeah. like, every six weeks or something. And that was before I went to grad school and the same thing, I was like, oh, I've gotta meet with Stephen again in a couple of weeks, I better yeah. like make some prints, get to this, get stuff done. Yeah. So I, I think it works great. I, I don't think you have to have a classroom environment. I think it could right. work perfectly to have that sort of regular meeting if they know, if, if they respect your opinion and they want, they know that they're going to be meeting with you, it makes mm -hmm. all the sense in the world, right? I should also mention that like, I've actually, I mean, right now I feel like, I mean, it's a springtime, um, almost summer and I feel like, you know, scaling back the teaching, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I really want to be shooting. I mean, you know, so yeah. like there's this thing where it's like a balance of like, you know, like all of this stuff, like the commercial work, the teaching and, and shooting is all a balancing act. And, um, at this point, I really want to, um, I can imagine, like, I can really truly imagine, visualize, like, where I'm shooting and somehow the revenue from me shooting by selling prints or by doing occasional commercial jobs mm. funds me shooting. Like, that's kind of all I want <laughs> right now, mm. you know? And so I can, I can imagine it, you know, it's not exactly like that, you know, but it's, um, that's where I feel like I'm headed. But I, all of the stuff... Like you said, I mean, you know, the, the, you get this energy from your students and I get energy from commercial work and I get energy from, you know, all these sources. So I actually, and I get energy from my family. I get energy from love and, you know what I mean? But like, I, I think, um, so I actually like to, I, I think I like having it all going on too, mm. you know? I mean, you had shows, uh, Yossi Milo, Milo, James Danziger, Sasha Wolf Galleries. Are you, do you have representation or are you looking for representation? I have an agent, but I don't have, um, I don't have a gallery at the moment. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a gallery, uh, I was at the Chris Graves uh, gallery, but he, 
uh, stopped being a gallery. And so um, I, and so I actually didn't, I haven't really tried to like too intensively to get a gallery, you know? And, um, and so I, I think I, that kind of, speaking of energy, I, I like having good positive energy. Like I want to have, like I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, sensitive to, um, that pressure actually, you know, similar to mm -hmm. the idea of like the guy speeding past you, you know, and mm -hmm. you were like amping it up. And I, sure. I want, I want that energy to be good energy and real energy. You know, I don't want to have like this feeling like, you know, this person hates me sort of, <laughs> you know, on some <laughs> level, you know, like I, you know, like this person is working, we're working together, but they hate me mm -hmm. or something. I just don't want that in my life. You know, I mm -hmm. want like this kind of like, I want this energy to be somebody who kind of loves me. You know, like sure. you know, like really yeah. wants me to succeed, and mm -hmm. and I think that's I'm, I'm happy to wait for that, <laughs> however long it takes, because I, honestly, not having a gallery is not a problem. You know, yeah. like it's it's okay. You know, I sell prints and I sell prints to private um, people, and I mean, what what galleries do that's really great is that they they can call up museums, and and so I'm really not you know I'm not contacting museums uh, as often as I would like right now, but you know that's okay. I mean, I think you know these things. Things work out you know I think people are interested um. I meant to ask you about with the uh, workshops um, and the mentorships are these students who are all shooting film large format or, or do you do mm. you care I mean is it is it people who oh no yeah, but it's, it runs a gamut yeah no and, okay. and it's a, I would say mostly digital you know actually. Oh, okay yeah and um, there are people that uh, they'll pursue me uh, because they want to shoot large format um, there are a few of those uh, people but by and large it's mostly digital yeah people are digital yeah that would definitely be a way of narrowing the field of who would be looking for you it's like only eight by ten color photographers <laughs> yeah no exactly need apply yeah, to no, this exactly. workshop yeah. Yeah. <laughs> only uh, exclusively cloning myself that's yeah. you know, I'm, I'm only looking to clone myself yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. so uh what are you working on now um my project right now i guess um i'm actually photographing um I'm kind of poking around up where I am. I'm in uh, northeastern Connecticut right now, and um, I'm starting to photograph up there. I mean, I've been working on a project called Morning Bus up mm -hmm. there, which is uh, photographs of kids waiting for the morning bus, and that was um, influenced by the Sandy Hook shooting. I was um, we we live about an hour from there, and I I went down. Uh, People Magazine asked me to go down and see what I could do like that weekend after the shooting, the shooting happened on a Friday. And so that weekend I went down there and it was, you know, the only thing that the only thing I could possibly think to do for that town was to leave, you know, and just be another, a, like one less member of the media there. Um, but I, um, uh, but I, I went back and I, and I had already had the idea of photographing kids waiting for the morning bus. Um, I'd already seen it around and, and, you know, just where we live is semi-rural and, um, so when kids wait for the bus, they're just waiting out in the middle of a field almost. You know what I mean? It looks like really like they're looking, waiting in the middle of nowhere. You, and You've shared some of those photos uh, on Instagram, I think? Or yeah, on the yeah. website. Oh, oh yeah, website. they're on the website. website. Uh, yeah, no, yeah so and, we'll, and, we'll link um, to all of that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 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 And, um, and so, uh, so I've been working on that, and I, I really love it. And it's a really slow project, you know, because it's, it's, you know, I photograph our friend. I photograph my own daughter, and I photograph our friend's kids, and I photograph friends of our friends, and... So I don't really, you know, it's not like I'm like going up and saying, hey, excuse me, can I photograph your kid? Wait, you know what I mean? Like it would just, I don't, I'm not, I'm not here to like terrify people. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think, um, uh, so yeah, so it's, I, it's taking as long as, you know, again, like talking, speaking of time, you know, it's like one of those, pic, you know, you'll never know how long, you know, I don't, I, I actually, some of those projects that have that sense of time, actually, I could say 
um, or don't have a sense of time, I actually take the date off. I've started taking the date off. So mm -hmm. I don't, I actually take the date off of that. So you don't see when you, you know, I just, the, the caption is just the name because right. I don't, it's you know, not important. It's not about, yeah, it's not relevant. And, and actually I think it takes away from it, you know, to time that, you know, it doesn't make sense. So I think that, uh, and also Nashville too, I, I, I've taken the date off of those pictures cause I don't really want anybody to, you know what I mean? I don't, it's not that I don't want people to know. It's just that I don't want to be distracting. And like, like you said, it's actually hard to pinpoint when that was taken now. Yeah, I think, right? it, yeah, I think, yeah. and I think it works better to better effect, you know, and um, so, so anyway, so I, I'm working on the morning bus project and I, and I've also, I'm, I'm kind of photographing our friends, you know, in the area, I'm photographing my family and, you know, those sort of things. So I'm kind of like poking around, but I am interested in, in photographing. I've always been a little bit um, interested in that energy that I had. If you can imagine um, looking back at your grad school days or something, you know, and, and but I, I look back in 1997 and I, I think of the intensity that I was shooting then. And, and honestly, I haven't been able to replicate that, you know, alone without the use of some other, like either the Guggenheim or some other like, you know, project, like we're a job or something, you know, and um, so I've, I've wanted to almost like, uh, you know, I'm like searching for like the white stag or something like I really, you know, I've, I've always wanted to replicate that kind of shooting, like, the you know, and to kind of live up to this, like this idea of Lee Freelander. I mean, honestly, you know, it's kind of like, it still haunts me a little, you know, and, um, but in a good way. I mean, I honestly, I think that that work ethic is in me, you know, and, um, um, and I have a great support crew, you know, and my wife truly has been my support over the years and, and, um, and is my she family the one who takes the photos of you photographing, set out, setting up your camera. Who's taking those photos? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, definitely. She does. Yeah, no. And, um, but I think, uh, you know, I, you know, she likes it when I'm in that place, you know, and, um, and, you know, if you hang out with a photographer, <laughs> and they're not shooting as a drag. You know yeah, what I mean? It's, yeah. We're no fun to right. be around if we're not <laughs> yeah. shooting. You know what I mean? And if we're like, you know, and but but ironically, we won't shoot. You know, like you you'll go have periods where you don't shoot and you just moan and whine about it. And and it's actually you know, so I actually like to kind of hang out in that shooting place. You know, and and as uncomfortable as that may be, it's infinitely better than not shooting. How did you end up in the rural uh, oh, uh, that's, <laughs> Connecticut? Yeah, uh, so world. Tina Tina teaches at University of Connecticut. Oh, She's a professor okay. there. She teaches um, Italian cinema and mm -hmm. Italian American cinema, wow. and she teaches uh, also uh, Italian literature up there. And um, yeah, no, that's pretty cool actually. And so yeah, her classes are amazing. You know, actually, and. and um, so we're, we're, we're well-versed on the Italian, you know, cinema. Like, we've seen all those movies, and she's seen them right. a million times, actually. She's mm -hmm. seen, like, Goodfellas. So you guys must be keeping Criterion in, co in business, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eight and a Half. And yeah, yeah. Eight and a Half is truly my favorite film oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, about the creative process. And, but, uh, yeah, so we're, we're up there. And, and we, we moved up there, and that was, you know, for a period of time, I, was, I still had my studio in Dumbo, and I was commuting kind of, like, wow. a little bit, like, it's like three hours away. It's, like, insane. That is and, insane. Uh, but not daily, but, like, I would, I don't know, I would crash in, in New York. And um, so that was miserable. So, and so once I moved my... Um, and this has happened recently, honestly, is, you know, we've, we've moved in 2007 and just recently have I, like in the last three years, have I gotten settled in my, uh, a studio in my basement. And, um, 
so where I can print, I, you know, I have a large printer there. I have a, actually, a, I, I built out a, dark, a black and white dark room. Wow. So uh, no longer my bedroom. It's like I've, I've actually hey, moved up. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's not in my bedroom. I, you know, my wife is like, I'm not sleeping in the sink. So, um, uh, no, but uh, anyway, so yeah, so it's actually, I mean, I have to say it's pretty sweet. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm happy and shooting and, you know. So you're shooting eight by ten color scanning and then making. I am, yeah, and I have I have been doing some black and white, um, and uh, I did a gunned. Um, oh, yeah. uh, what's that called? I did a gunned um, annual report, and yeah. um, in 2013, and uh, that was all black and white. So <coughs> I shot black and white, and that was partly the reason I built out the dark room, and um, so I had intended on shooting more black and white, and I, I still do a little bit. I mean, I have you know, and and I think, but I, I kind of love color. I have to say, it's like sort of sexy and I don't know just it still moves me and I still think in color I mean I made the decision a long time ago to shoot color partly because of magazines and and I I do love that there's a special place in my heart for like the type you know um uh, magazine typefaces and mm-hmm. um color and you know uh c prints and things you know I mean, these they're plastic actually you know mm-hmm. what I mean like yeah, it, the thing are. is that like it's yeah. actually plastic but it's there's something about it that's like 1950s plastic or you know it's like it's, it's like a different quality of um except now yeah, i kind of love it yeah anyway. <laughs> all my old c prints are yellowing yeah yeah i know they do yellow yeah, yeah. And but i'm redoing everything but you kind of love that yellow yeah no yeah. I, and i do yeah i print everything digital i mean i scan constantly constantly like if i get a box of 25 sheets you know you're scanning you're just always scanning so mm-hmm. when i'm not shooting i'm scanning yeah you know like it's just a and um, and I don't have an assistant, uh, you know, at the moment. So you know, every, I do everything, a la, a la Lois Connor. <laughs> <laughs> so, what scanner are you using? I use. Uh, I have two, um, the Epson 750s. Right. Oh yeah. And yep. um, and I do. I actually wet scan on those. I do oh, oil great. scanning on those, which is probably not recommended, but. Um, no, it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you know it's really great. And, For eight uh, by yeah. ten, it makes all yeah. the sense in the world. I think. Yeah, yeah, no, and I get pretty good scans. I mean, I have to say, I've gotten drum scans, which are beautiful. But, um, but I mean, you know, I mean, I I have my forty by fifties that were recently in a show, or you know, printed on my uh, scan on my seven fifty. So, mm-hmm. are there shows coming up? Yes, I have a show coming up uh, at the Central Park Arsenal Gallery, uh, in, and actually with Tom Roma. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. Tom's gonna, got two photographs from Sunset Park in there. I think. Yeah, and so I have three of my 20 by 24 um, Polaroids from my Asher Levy project oh, that wow. I shot in 2010. So I'm nice. excited about that. The opening is on June 22nd, I believe. Oh, great. We Beautiful. should check that. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll be there. I, um, I had one funny thing is I watched you have a video that's linked on oh, your yes. website. Yes, yes, Of you photographing, working on the um, mm-hmm. uh, Unto Dust project, right? Photographing oh, yeah. a guy on the street. Yeah. Right. And um, which everyone should go watch. And uh, the one thing I've, that like I chuckled about is after you had photographed this guy, and for a while you're like, no, stand this way. No, you got to stop doing this. Get the laughter out of you. Do this. You're directing him. And then you, I assume you make the photograph. Then you say, oh, I need you to sign a model release. Yeah, we, we put that <laughs> in. We intentionally put that yeah, in. Yeah, so you get him to sign it after he's already committed, oh. basically. Which yeah, I well, think no, is so with, interesting. You know, but I do my, my process because I shoot a 10 and because my, you know, each sheet is like 25 bucks, you know, uh, a sheet, I. I, uh, I tell I verbally talk to them about it beforehand. So before what we didn't have on video is that I say, listen, um, like in the in the 
when I'm initially saying, you know, I'd like to take your picture and I think you're kind of awesome, whatever I say to them. And uh, I'll say, and by the way, like once they've said yes, once they're interested, I say, oh, and by the way, I need to get a model consent form. Is that cool? And I mm. explain why. Because in the old days before, I used to actually spring it on them afterwards, which is terrible. Right. And people <laughs> would walk, and I'd already made this picture. It's like cost okay. a fortune. Mm. So I uh, so I started doing it. Oh, oh and it was people also, would say no at that point. People, yeah, no, people were like, oh no, I not. Well, and also it felt like it felt like I was springing on them. It really right. felt weird. It felt right. awkward, and and I realized, oh, you know, I should just verbally talk about it beforehand, and it's made all this all the difference in the world. Right. So nobody. Like occasionally people, once they read it, they have a problem with it. But these are people not, you know, I've had lawyers read it and sign it, no problem. And I've had people that know absolutely nothing, sign it, no problem. But there's this in-between kind of nervous people that know a little or something. That, am I signing away my soul? Yeah, what I, am I doing? <laughs> yeah, but it, it really is, I mean, a, a model consent form is really releasing, um, it's it's an invasion of privacy uh, contract. Yeah. And so you're, you know, you're, they're releasing saying that you're not invading their privacy or and uh, so much and and so like that i mean they're on the street so you yeah. know i mean and it's really uh, the threshold is about you know because i talk to them i get model consent for consent forms from everybody and mm. i've been doing that since 1997 actually wow. so i have this filing cabinet wow. full of of model consent forms wow. actually yeah so i have Something and actually I, can... I do have their information so if you ever see a picture of mine like on my I've been. I've started posting pictures like i've kind of going through my archives right now and and so i've been posting like old yeah. and new work um, together and um, so if you ever see and you see their name it is totally right. because I have their model consumed for I went to my filing cabinet dug it out and I'm like you know this is I mean recently I had a boy diving and um, I'm blanking on his name right now but I totally went and found his model <laughs> consent form and it was there. I mean, it's incredible. So, you know, it, it's really a great th way to do it. And I mean, and honestly, if you're talking to the people, you need to. And uh, but if you're not talking to people, you don't. And, mm -hmm. you know, and if you don't need to, don't. Yeah. What about you, Mike? I, I, I was wondering about the model consent form only because of maybe your from doing commercial work and yeah, yeah that thing right. is, it's something I've never done I know it's something Tom ha doesn't do right I've, I've never no I've never done yeah. model releases well and I don't think you unless know, I knew it was actually going to be a commercial job or something right yeah. right that's right and a lot of people don't do it and I think that you could go your whole career and not do it I mean I think that I mean if you don't you know if you don't shoot commercially if you don't you know people in an advertising company an advertising agency is not going to pick up the photo then what's the problem? You know right. what I mean? Like, what, who's going to sue you for a book or, you know, like for, you know. Um, I had, The only time I've ever, like, been thankful that I had a model consent form was um, one time where a picture was used in Time magazine. And and the picture was, um, they were doing layout in the of the magazine in uh, late hours of the night. And, um, and uh, uh, someone had put a pull quote that was said, um, it was next to this picture that I had taken, for a, a story that I thought was on like health or something. I had really had, you know, it was on a package, a health package, and I had photographed these two girls um, eating corn dogs, kind of, you know, and they're laughing, and, and I thought it was a sweet photo, and they, and they were at uh, Dollywood, you know. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so the picture ran, and it was the pull quote right next to the picture was like, you know, the, uh, there was a higher rate of obesity oh, in whatever geez. place that was. Mm -hmm. and, um, but it, and, and Pigeon, so it Pigeon was, Gap. <laughs> yeah, well, but it wasn't, but it, it wasn't quite that literal, but it was yeah. still close enough. And, um, mm -hmm. and so that woman, I think, had a case, actually. I mean, that was, you know, and because evidently when it came out, everybody made fun of them. 
and they didn't want to go to school. And I mean, oh, it was really wow. painful. Yeah. And I have two daughters, so I mean, like, no way do I want to, like, you know, yeah. have that experience. And I and I felt horrible. Mm-hmm. And like getting, believe me, getting sued is is really bad. But you know, like just getting that call is really not nice. It's really bad, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there was no there was no talking that mother down and, and I didn't, you know, I, I, I listened to her and I was you know, I thought I'm, I'm so sorry. And you know, I felt but, horrible. But at that but, point, was it on you or was it on time magazine? Well, it was, it was, it was, I mean, you know, it was magazines, um, you know, decision to put that. I mean, I didn't have the decision. Right. I wasn't c- in control of putting that pull quote, but I mean, she could have easily sued me as well as the magazine. Sure. So, um, so the, ma- you know, the, the lawyers, uh, for the magazine said, you know, I sent them the model consent form and they were like, okay, well, there you go. You know, and no lawyer has been has taken the case because I have a model consent form. So, yeah. and of all my, you know, so I mean, I've photographed a lot, a lot, a lot of people, and I've yeah. photographed, I've done a lot of jobs, and I've and I, over the years, and, and that was really the only time that really it was necessary in that situation. But, you know, that's kind of what it's for. It's for those few, few situations. Um, I will say that you know, in the situations where I do have a photograph that would be used for an ad. I do actually will go and I'll get find that person. And I've heard of other people like hiring private investigators to like find people. Track people pictures. down. Yeah. So um so I do I will go and I'll 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 I will con- contact them because I do believe they should be compensated in the case of an ad. And and so right. like so my model consent form entitles me to totally just use it. But I I just think with an ad I, I you know I just you know I'm not it's, it's really in the end like to you know, to give somebody a percentage is not, you know, is not, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the right way to live. And you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think, um, so, I mean, I've made my career out of photographing other people and you know what I mean? And I, you know, I like sleeping peacefully. And, um, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I should mention that the very first thing we did before hitting record today was, uh, Michael had you consent to be on the show. And so we do, we do do the, our due diligence. Yeah, on no, that. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah. No, it is. It's, yeah. it's true. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's an important thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing I wanted to mention from my list or not even from my list of questions was that when I went to open the door to let you in the building, you walked in, you had your eight by 10 camera over your shoulder and your, your bags with you. And so that's just become part of who, how yeah. you work. I mean, you're, I assume you took the subway here. And uh, no, I, I drove. Yeah, okay, no, right. I, I actually, no, it's no fun to take that on the train, but, <laughs> okay, um, yeah. but I, I, uh, but you would, I mean, it's like, yeah, no, I do. I have, <laughs> I have totally. I was teaching my workshop today. Um, I'm teaching a workshop at ICP today uh, okay. this weekend. And so I was, I do a little, I do a little demo where I, I'll take my whole class out. Like, you know, it'll be like 10 people around me and I'll make a picture on the street in mm-hmm. front of them. And, um, and this is actually not very, um, this is not pleasant for me, but, um, but for them, I think it actually is, uh, you know, worth price of admission because, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, to see, I mean, and usually I would say about 90% of the time I fail, you know what I mean? 90%, I mean, chances are it's going to be a bad picture, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, just because of the circumstances, I mean, you have 10 people around you and, um, I'm limited to like, I'm in around Bryant park or something, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, but I try, you know, and I, and I've lately, I've tried actually really trying to make a good picture in front of them. Like I've really tried, you know, I think when I first started doing it, I was like, well, what does it matter? You know what I mean? I'm just like, they saw the camera and they saw me go through the motions or whatever. But now mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, let's like really do it. You know what I mean? And, and so I think that I, um, and I, I think that that's good. I think I, you know, I'm willing to be vulnerable in front of them. I think that counts. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think that's like what it's about, you know? And over the years, like I've, I think being a teacher has changed for me because in the beginning, I think I was like, I thought that I was supposed to be like some, 
sage advisor right. in front of the room and actually i realize now that actually the more vulnerable you are the more like kind of human you are in the classroom the better it all is you know and um, the more they learn the more they glean from and um and because being a photographer i have to say is pretty humbling you know yeah. it's really not um <laughs> it's a lot of mistakes there's a lot of mistakes yeah. and um and you know 90 percent uh like 10 percent good is is pretty good yeah you know that's yeah. better than that's unrealistic I it's think. unrealistic <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah it's actually not yeah, yeah. it's more like one percent yeah, yeah. yeah. so um and then if you think of like the history of photography um you know like the numbers are even less you know yeah. i mean we're in you know talking you know small well, well, that's a good place to, uh, to end. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was going to say well, end on Samuel Beckett. That's yeah. great. Okay, great. No, no, there was, there was both good. in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you. Thank you for... Uh, well, thanks you know, for having me. It was fun. Yeah, it was yeah, great. Yeah. All right. Well, bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>